Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode 4 of the Overthrows podcast. I am Bairam Kazi who you can find at Def Mango and with me as always is Jared Kimber who you can find absolutely everywhere. So lots to talk about today and we have uh, a few people in the comments already. Jessica Bell is really excited that she finally made an episode of Uncovered Live. Yeah because we chose me to too. record it a human oh. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, dm95 sheratan kd shrinath narayan niraksh santosh kumar shri all of you guys are over here and we're chuffed to have you so let's start with the big one india have taken a 2-1 lead against england by giving them an absolute 434 run hammering in rajkot and uh, jared this was an interesting game it's not like india were always on top you know they were initially 33 for 3 in the first innings then at the end of day 2 mm. it felt like England were on top because Duckett was going crazy. They lost Ravi Ashwin mid-test and he of course returned but they lost him so one would assume that England were in a better position but they still managed to give them a pounding. Yeah, and not just a pounding, right? Like the eighth biggest pounding by terms of runs in in the history of the game. I mean, if you go back to it, Joe Root dropping Rohit Sharma when they were what about hmm. 40 for 3, I want to say, maybe 45 for 3 at that stage. Um is kind of the difference between the the two games. Like, you know, if Rohit doesn't go on to bat the way he does, who knows what this game would have mm-hmm. been. Um so, you know, fascinating from that point of view, I I suppose. And England was certainly all on top of India, but I don't think there's another situation where a team could be 250 runs behind mm. where everyone was so confident about them. And I understood it and i certainly could see why people were saying that but i was i was very much in the camp of everyone they still need to score another 200 mm-hmm. runs and 200 runs is a long way away the, the the credit i would give for india's victory outside of you know the batting obviously which was fantastic is probably just the, when they tried to hit cool deep out of the attack and they tried to hit uh, siraj out of the attack and that's what england have been doing there's been a lot of discussion in this test about how um baseball doesn't work anymore because this is literally <laughs> the first time we've seen it not work we've seen them lose before but this is the first time we've seen it not work and yet they had a chance to get rid of rohit early on and they went after kuldeep and siraj and if you look at the figures of kuldeep and siraj on that second day mm. it looked like they were going to hit them out of the attack right and clearly jadeja was it uh, i think his hamstring got better throughout the game but he still certainly wasn't fit. Uh Ashwin wasn't there, which was a complication none of us expected. Mm. But the the point being that there was there was absolutely no doubt when you looked at the the way that this game was going that if Kuldeep or Siraj or both had been knocked out, England probably come back and at least get very close in this game. Mm. So people are like, "Oh, it doesn't work." It's like, "Well, It was also the thing that kept them in this game um to begin with. So it's it's a really really interesting one that on, at the end of day 2 I think Ashwin said the game was quite mm. level. Um you know and I, that tells you that a how much baseball fries people's brains yeah. but also that we are expecting uh, magical things out of them. This time there just wasn't any magic, right? No none whatsoever and uh, it's interesting Of course they did try to hit Siraj and Kuldeep out of the attack but in Ashwin's absence Siraj then took four wickets but to the point where everyone is slandering baseball and i haven't even read anything yet i almost assume that everyone is saying that baseball has failed and it was a terrible idea to begin with and i saw a tweet which said that you are correct yeah 
There was a tweet that said that shoot them all and replace them with seven Dom siblings. I really enjoyed that one. No, that's a, uh, that uh, we can all get behind. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I want to talk about is: does this happen because? Uh, well, the point where you said that after day two, everyone was feeling rather confident, and you still said that two hundred runs remained. Is it because of the way they project baseball? Uh, they've said that they're saving Test cricket ten thousand times. I believe Duckett and Ollie Robinson said something along the similar lines, and then also. uh they've defended it at every single step along the way like there is no accountability does that kind of factor into a the belief system of the fans and b the reason why they get bashed like thrice as much as they probably deserve to okay so if you watch ben duckett specifically mm-hmm. bat on day 2 it felt like he had completely upset india's plans like he, so obviously they ashwin didn't bowl particularly well um jadeja couldn't bowl because he was injured and cool deep went at six or seven runs and over mm. i want to say and siraj went at six or seven runs and over right at that stage you're looking at it go and then and then overnight what happens is ashwin um goes mm. home uh, to 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 look after his mother yeah. right so at that stage you can understand why people are looking at this going well they've still got you know roots and stokes and you know besto and whoever else was left to bat right you know coming in Duckett's still at the crease. You can kind of understand why there was a movement towards them, but even then, it's like and and so much of what baseball has done is it's warped out historical brains. Because every time we say, "Well, you can't chase three hundred and three hundred and three consecutive games or whatever it was," and it's like, "Yeah, we can." And so I think there was an element of that, and and all the different circumstances that came together. When when they lose. Right, and it's hilarious in this one game that baseball had everyone shook, and then suddenly baseball didn't work mm. in the same game. Like we lived a lifetime of baseball <laughs> in one game here, yeah. everyone. Um, uh, when they lose, I think that's when you get this. <clears throat> I, and on a smaller level, <clears throat> sorry, I did have a drink. I don't know where I put it. Um, on a smaller level, every time England lose, baseball loses. Mm. Right, I'm, I'm not talking about that. from reality because it's not reality like there were people in my comments yesterday you know we did we did a scoreboard after the show and people are like this proves the baseball doesn't work and they should go back to traditional batting it's nah. like didn't their old batting <laughs> prove that traditional batting for them didn't work like people have forgotten how bad they were right one day and they're going to chase 600 and then all of those quotes are going to make sense <laughs> <laughs> and, but but also just just you, you know you look at it they are playing test matches very differently to everyone else and i don't just mean tactically Listen to them. Mm. They say they are willing to lose some games, yeah. right? Which is how teams play one day is and T20. And the the difference because they know you can't win every one of those mm. games. Whereas we've been kind of brainwashed to think the best team always wins a test match, right? Which is broadly truer, certainly truer than the other two formats, but it's not true, mm. right? Teams don't go on 30 match winning streaks in test match cricket, right? Like, oh, um now we've got after dark with um, Bayron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, luckily we have um, uh, uh the internet hooked up to the ups or whatever so the electricity going does not impact the show <laughs> it ma- it makes you look like you're uh, you now an alien <laughs> i like it um but but yeah so you know you you get to a certain point where you know the way that they are playing is uh it it, it does it, it 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 is with an inherent risk mm. right so think of the new zealand test they lost think about the edge baston test they yeah. lost they built that risk in for themselves mm. right you know and and they afterwards they were like okay we didn't get it right they should have won the they should have won both those mm. tests really the i think it was was it wellington and it was also the um edge baston ones 
They should have won both those tests. But the way they would look at it is, okay, so if we go back to playing the way we were, those are better teams and they probably just would have rolled over yeah. us, right? And people have forgotten that, right? And there's a lot of people who are willing to just bash Basball mm. at all opportunities because it's weird. And, and, you know, first person through the door is always going to get that. But, you know, you see Michael Vaughan go, Basball, expose. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, mate, you spent two years telling us that they couldn't fuck a bat. Now you're upset, you know, um, that they actually did bat really well mm. for a while in India. So... I think we have we have to have that perspective, but you're right. You know, and I've talked about this a lot, of course, that the kind of Kool-Aid aspect mm. of basketball of we're always on top even when we're not mm. on top. And we meant to lose by 434 <laughs> runs. In fact, it's a good thing we're chasing 550 <laughs> runs. It's like, and this was the first time, and I don't think it was, I, I, I did a podcast with um, Bumble yesterday, which I think is up on the Talk Sport channel. They look tired. Mm. Right, so if you've been out, the other team, what did India probably make in this test? Eight hundred and fifty-ish yeah. runs would be up top off the top of my head. It wasn't really, really hot, but it was hot. You now you can be as positive as you want. Joe Root looked fried. Hmm. He's bowled more than he's ever bowled in his life before. It's hot conditions. He was out in the field for a he's long time. He's forgotten how to hand. hit the reverse ramp. <laughs> yeah, but you watch him in that second innings. He didn't bat like baseball in the second mm -hmm. innings, but he looked tired. He looked him and Ben Stokes both looked physically drained, right? Which is what usually happens towards the end of a test match. England have all to their credit so far because of the pace that they play the game. They don't get to a lot of fifth days. Their players don't get as tired, which means when they're tackling those chases at the end, they've got a little bit more energy. Well, India did the thing that I have been saying teams have to do against England forever, which is literally just make them bat, uh, make them feel 200 to 250 mm. overs. Really keep them out there because that is the, the major issue of baseball, mm. which is if you're going to bat so quickly, right, if you're going to bat that quickly, that means your bowlers are not going to get the rest that they need. True. Right? And so if the other team does get on top of you and you can't manufacture wickets, which is what happened in, in, in this, in this um, second innings, then you're in a lot of trouble. And England just looked tired. Um, you know, the pitch didn't really suit their bowlers. It probably suited the Indian spinners a little bit more in this case. Um, you know, Siraj obviously bowled a great spell mm -hmm. in that in the first innings. Uh, England didn't really have a great spell of seam bowling, you know, out, outside the, the first couple of overs. Um, and so th there's all that. But yeah, you're right that if, if you're going to go around saying you've saved test mm. cricket and on all these other things, you can understand why there is going to be certain situations when people are just like, dudes, my dudes, like you just got um, smashed in the face. Um, and so we're going to laugh at you. And that's absolutely fine. I, 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 no one, when Australia went on and on about how dominant they were and they lost a test match or they lost a series, this yeah. happened. The big difference was it didn't happen on social yeah, media. Yeah, it definitely comes with the territory. And with all of those statements, people also, I think, are more likely to jump the gun. But let me tell you this, that with that Bumrah comment, that they're not hitting anymore. There is a bit of a psychological blow over there as well. Like, baseball has taken a bit of a spanking because the Indian players are, are well on top and they, they really want to write their own narrative over here. Anyway, so Ud, hmm. just just on that, what you just said, we have said from the start that eventually teams are going to learn how to adjust. Hmm. India is adjusting in real time because of what Australia did, because of what New Zealand did, True. right? That that Any tactic, people are going to adjust to it, hmm. right? And so at, at this stage, that's going to happen. Yeah. All right, super chat time. Ravi Teja asks, this talk, especially from the players, is getting annoying and sounds smug, arrogant. Someone should remind them that they have a win percentage of 55 to 60. 
and that's quite high for England, but nothing great. I think, I mean, in the build-up to the Ashes, it was great. After the Ashes, there was the case that, oh, rain kind of ruined it for them. They could have won it. This India Tour was the real litmus test, and you'd always expect India to win this series, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, and, and they won the first mm. test. I want to talk about the talk aspect. I, uh, Ravi, you probably went around on the scoreboard that I did yesterday, but I, I discussed this. Anything you hear the England team saying at the moment, it is very clear they are not saying it for fans or media. Mm. They are saying it for the change room. So Ben Duckett, on top of the many random things he said <laughs> at his press conference, uh, you know, um, at the end of day three or whatever it was, um, you know, he said that uh, Ben Stokes actually wanted them to get out in the field quicker anyway. So it was fine that they were bowled out for what, what they were. Yeah. Right. That's obviously nonsense. Mm. Right. No one in the world doesn't think that's nonsense. Right. The Jaiswal comment. Right. Again, they're, they're pretending that they're changing the game. So they go, Jaiswal's playing this way because of us. <laughs> yeah. Because no attacking batters existed before <laughs> baseball. Right. It's not for us. Mm. Ravi, it is for the change room. And that is really, really interesting because generally that is not what you do. You try and placate your fans. Um, uh, you, you try and control the media and England's going the complete other way. And I've seen, I've seen other, you know, sporting teams do this before. And it's not something I really have ever noticed. Uh, I, I've seen coaches try and do this, but they kind of lose the will to push through it. And the players kind of don't do it. The difference here is they, they do believe that. So I don't have a problem for that. Um, uh, the win percentage of 55 or 60, I'm not sure what it is at mm. the moment, um, uh, w which is very fair, but they did win a bunch of games against two very, very, I mean, they, you know, um, in, they beat India um, and they beat um, uh, New Zealand in four tests at, at home. Um, they coughed up one against South Africa. Um, you know, they went one all in New Zealand, which to be fair, I think, um, you know, uh, although who knows, I can't work out New Zealand's form guide after Bangladesh and South Africa A and all this sort yeah. of stuff. But the point being is against very good teams, um, I think, uh, you know, they went to Pakistan and just absolutely destroyed, right? Like, and no one had any idea how it was going to go. Forced results I don't think on anyone... roads, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think they do. To, and, uh, and having a 60% win percentage when you lost 12 games in a row is actually miraculous, Rabbit, yeah. right? I know that sounds stupid, but if you've lost, I don't know, I don't know how many games they lost in a row, but, you know, one out of 12 or whatever it was, um, and you come back and you have a win percentage of 55%, like, that is a huge swing, like a massive swing. So, and and they have changed test cricket, Ravi, as well. To be fair to them, yeah. you listen to the other teams, Zimbabwe, Pakistan, mm -hmm. openly saying this. Australia, I say, Australia said to Travis Head, play your mm -hmm. way, and and he did. Then they said to Mitchell Marsh, play your way. It is partly backed on, on, on what was going on, um, you know, uh, with uh, baseball. They can lie all they want, but I know that there is an element of that, right? Um, and teams are looking at baseball and going, okay, what can we take? Or what can we do that's different? So they are making a difference. But, but it is important to remember that everything they say publicly, it's going to be mocked because it is going to sound stupid. But imagine what you – it's a sort of thing of like if you're in the middle of a cyclone, it's like, well, of course we'll get through this, right? As your house is being lifted in the air and spun around four times. That is what they are doing at all times. Um, and they're doing it on purpose. And it's an interesting tactic. But yeah, it's supposed to piss people off because they don't care if we all hate them. They just want to uh, They want to win the long-term moral <laughs> arguments. But they don't care if we hate their comments in that moment because they have already done things that none of us believe they could do.
Remember that cricket is a funny game. 100 years before we protected our heads, players looked after their groins. So don't be as stupid as old cricketers and protect your computer today. NordVPN is the protection I use when facing cyber shortfalls or when rights issues try to dismiss me. NordVPN will help you get through the straight bat of any geo blocks so you can watch all the cricket you want. If you need your pitch changed, well, NordVPN can doctor any surface to a new location so that your IP address is set up for you to win. Want to buy an associate cricket shirt from a place that won't ship to your country? Select NordVPN. Want to watch a game on a free stream in another hemisphere? NordVPN. Or if you just want to watch a clip on social media that a cricket board won't allow you to, promote NordVPN to pinch it for you. So if you need a VPN, go Nord. Use nordvpn.com forward slash Kimber to get a huge discount off your Nord VPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the show notes. Protect your computer like a cricketer protects its nether region with Nord VPN today. I mean, we'll see where this story ends and it will make for a great book someday. We also have a bunch of other comments from Hari Krishnan, Bharat Raj, Zetiro, who is appreciative of the show. Thank you. And uh, yeah, all of you guys, Himanshu, Swarup, if you really want your question to be answered, like Ravi, send in a super chat. We'll move on. And uh, yeah, you mentioned how Ravi Jadeja, who was back from injury, wasn't fully fit, you know. And uh, he was back in an Indian shirt playing at his hometown, back the player of the match award. And that was some performance. 112 runs in the only innings that he batted in. And then he also took seven wickets uh, in the game with a fifer in the fourth innings. So he has ridiculous numbers in this ground. I know you'll talk about that, Jared. But uh, he also now has the most player of the match awards in India for an Indian player. Level with Anil Kumble, nine. And he's played like 20 less tests than Kumble. So Jadeja really is that, uh, I don't know, unicorn in that Indian lineup. It's um so I, at at this ground he averages 140 with the bat and 19 with the mm. ball. I don't know if those numbers slightly changed throughout the game, but I can't imagine they would have changed all that much. Um, he makes a hundred. I don't want to say on one leg. I actually thought he he looked okay when he was batting, um, but clearly, like both innings, they didn't bring him on the bowl straight away. When he did bowl in the uh, in the first innings, he struggled a little bit, and the first ball he bowled in the second innings. Or first three balls. Have a look at his action. So when a finger spinner has a problem with their body, quite often they kind of force the ball up, and it's almost like a throw. It just doesn't come out right. Um, I mean, we can't actually tell if any bowlers throw because we could put sensors on their arms, but apparently <laughs> that would be too smart. But and but I've seen Jack Leach do this before, and there was another finger spinner do this. Just just if your body isn't working the way you want, you kind of. You kind of have to force mm-hmm. it out, and because of the way the off spin is, your arm just sort of it either it either is more bent than it normally is, and sometimes people just a- accidentally throw it, and that you can see spinners sometimes look around as if they go, well, "That wasn't right." And he fought through that until the end, where he had a better rhythm, and he understood how to make his hamstring work for him, or that you know whatever it was the um, the lack of something um, uh, uh, th- that happens, and to go from there to basically being unplayable, it just tells you. I think sometimes with Ashwin, because he's such a brilliant athlete and, you know, we've probably talked about this before, but if if you want to be really, really um, clinical, Jadeja probably has high, um, uh, hard, hard skill athleticism. So fast twitch muscle hmm. and, you know, flexibility and strength and all that sort of stuff. And Ashwin probably has high soft athletic 
um, function, which is, you know, incredible control of his hands and, he, and his fingers and, you know, his body position and all those sorts of things. We don't always think of someone like Ashwin as being athletic, but it's a different kind of athletic, you know. The more we learn about athleticism, the more we realize actually we're being unfair to one group and everything else. But the important thing with Jadeja is when he first started his career, he was thought of as like an automaton, right? Mm. Uh, Donny says, you bowl here, you bowl here, <laughs> right? He's not quite that player anymore. And we, I don't think he gets enough credit for how smart he is. And, you know, watching him bowl in this second innings, I was like, oh, he's he's working through the physical problems here. Um, and also, he's worked this pitch out in a way that, and no disrespect to Tom Hartley, but Tom Hartley can't work mm. it out, right? You know, he, he'd worked it out in such a way that probably even someone like Akshar Patel is just not, they're just not ready to do that. And we don't talk about that enough of Jadeja is not just come in and bowl, sidearm spin, you know, uh, uh, pitching on middle stump and hoping it runs along the ground and the odd one spins sideways and he gets an edge to second slip, right? He's not that bowler anymore. There is a lot more going on with his bowling now. And uh, I think this test match just proved what a smart cricketer he has become. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, all-rounders mentally quite often are very, very smart. I mean, look at Stokes and Jason Holder, yeah. you know, Dan Vittori, you know, Imran Khan. And the reason that they are smarter is because they have to be on both sides of the ball at all time, right? They have to work out two different disciplines. And if you, today, do you want to throw in fielding, mm. right? You know, it's three different disciplines that he is world-class in, right? And because of that, he has developed. And yeah, Ashwin probably came out of the womb thinking, if I change my wrist angle to here, I can do this, mm. right? And Jadeja didn't do that. But you, I was watching him bowling and just thinking, oh, this is, I mean, before he started taking, before even, you know, uh, England had started collapsing, I was like, this is over. Because they're not going to get to 200 because Jadeja is just on one. And, uh, you know, he's just thinking on a, a completely different level. Yeah, I mean, it was a phenomenal performance uh, considering the injury and it was his hometown. Then the runs, then the wickets. I wanted to file a petition to President Modi or Prime Minister Modi that you should change the name of the city to Ravi Coat Because Rajkot doesn't have the same sort of uh, ring to it anymore. Well, I mean, they changed the stadium name. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I felt about this because, you know, this naming some... I, I look, cricket administrators do a lot of great work and don't get me wrong, but naming all your cricket stadiums after cricket administrators, mm. I, I wonder if the West Indies haven't got this right. <laughs> all right and just the West Indies is just like, there's Darren Sammy, there's Viv Richards, there's Brian Lara. Great. They all get a, a, a you know, a ground named after yeah. them. Um, and, and I know that's different because it's national identity mm. rather than local identity and everything else. And you know, but if you if you built a new stadium, you know, in in Australia now, and and it was like, well, Australia's a bad example. If you built a, new, a built a new cricket stadium in New Zealand now, should it not be the Crow or the Hadley mm -hmm. Stadium? Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I I just I don't understand. Uh, it's the players who put their body on the line. It's the players whose physicality deteriorates for our entertainment. It's the players that drag us to the ground. It's ironic that um, in a few hours or a couple of hours, I'm out about to go to the Gaddafi Stadium. Putting that you know up. what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's 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 kind of the most famous stupid yeah. one, right? But but you, you go through it and, and I know I understand that there's political tensions and there's, you know, and, and, and you know, but if you're building, if you're building a new stadium or you are going to change the name of a stadium, I think you should honour the people mm. that went out there. And, and as I'm not sure there's ever been a player who's been better at one ground than Ravi Jadeja is at this particular mm -hmm. ground, right? And like Dhoni, Dhoni basically built an international stadium by being good at cricket. <laughs> like, 
you know, and 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 I think it's great that Darren Sammy has a stadium named after yeah. him, right? It's a solution had never had players before, and he's a dual World Cup winning captain. Great, let's name it after him. I just think that there, you know, there's so many felicitations and so many certificates given to players and everything else, right? Like when you walk in, I I, I really think more things should be named after players, coaches. Mm commentators probably as well um and administrators at grounds there's so many random things at grounds that can be named after people um in general and i think that it's just a it let, let's start honoring um the legacy of of great players past and present of of former coaches of of people who did special things for their nation including the administrators but i'm saying not every ground should be named after an administrator. There should be certain grounds that are named after administrators, but many other uh, grounds that are named after either coaches or players or whatever it may be. Um, I mean, the 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 the, play, uh, the one in um, Ranchi should be called the Helicopter Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I definitely second that. And and it's surprising how only the West Indies might be doing this, and I haven't really seen it elsewhere. But anyway, moving forward, it's been done in women's cricket, mm -hmm. I should say as well. I think there's a couple of women's stadiums. I think there's the Karen Rolton. There is the Susie Bates a Susie in a show. Yeah, so it's weird that it's happened more mm -hmm. with women and not with the men. But but you're right. I, I just it when, when it just it just felt wrong. We're at a ground when Ravi Jadeja <laughs> averages almost 150 and under 20 with the ball, and we're like, and here's an administrator who gets. And I'm not saying he didn't do great work because there are some special administrators out there who I just think really deserve to be remembered and and, and talked about. But the players do. Yeah, too. I think the players have more of a stake in this. Um, we've got another super chat by Ravi Teja, who's in a generous oh. mood today. So we'll take that well, thank you. before moving on. And he says, it's criminal that you don't get more views on YouTube. Well, spread the word. Make sure that we do. <laughs> and uh, it, I mean, to be fair, we had a video that went up yesterday that had 25,000 views. Another one that's been up for 10 hours that's had about 80,000. So yeah. we're, doing, we're, we're not exactly struggling. <laughs> the England batters don't seem to have the best technique to play test cricket long term. Do you see this batting struggle in the wrong run? Ah, it has worked. I mean, as well, yes. Also, though, yeah. I mean, they're doing this, Ravi, because they don't have a good technique, mm. right? Like, you know, they were using. Um, I said Dean Elgar. I mean, um, Rory Burns and Dom Sibley and and all all those guys. Crawley has a flawed technique. Yeah. Ben Duckett has a flawed technique. Ollie Pope is not a complete batter, right? They know this. So, what did McCullum do? He said, "Okay, let's forget about your weaknesses and let's try and um, just play to your strengths," mm. which is essentially what most players do, yeah. right? They, they play in a certain way that allows them to get around. Joe Root's reverse scoop probably came from the fact that he struggled against Bumrah and he was like, well, if I do this and I get away with it, that is going to upset hmm. Bumrah, right? And Bumrah's not going to be sure exactly what the next ball to come to me is. That is why they are, they are all doing this, you know, from one through to six. And, you know, someone like folks, He's probably just going to chip the ball around because he he and and to be fair, he probably has a more he's not a better bat than the guys ahead of him, but he's probably slightly more solid hmm. technique. So um, they are doing this on purpose because, and again, it's like people have forgotten. In was it two thousand and twenty one, England's fourth leading scorer was extras. <laughs> they made a comically low amount of runs. Right. They are not making a comically low amount of runs now. Every one of their batters' averages have improved under baseball. I, it, it, I think that's right. Um, I, they put it up on the screen every day and I never got... But I think that's right. Every one of them. And if not, the vast majority, certainly. I mean, they're utilizing their resources optimally and it won't always go their way, but I still think they should stick with it. Anyway, moving on to India. Uh, Yashasvi Jaiswal hit another double ton. He was unbeaten on 214 in the third innings. And, well, in seven test matches now, he has 300s. 
all of them daddy hundreds, that 170-odd on debut and then two double hundreds in this ongoing series versus England. He also levelled Wasim Akram's record of most sixes in an innings in Test cricket, which is 12. And he's averaging nearly 72 after these seven Test matches. And I didn't catch the innings live, Jared, but you did. So tell me about it. Uh, his, uh, he, I think he was about 14 or 45 or 48 balls. Wow. And I didn't think he was batting poorly or anything, but clearly, you know, England were bowling okay. And he decided, I'm just going to give them this little session. And then he explodes after that. That's the most exciting thing about it. Because I think you, you hear, oh, he's, you know, um, uh, equaled Wazim Akram's record of most sixes. This is counter-attacking innings and, you know, and look at his strike rate overall. And I think, I can't remember what his strike rate was, but um, he's the second left-hander in test cricket to make 214 in a test match. Mm -hmm. The other left-hander was Bumble. <laughs> Bumble... Bumble did it in 398 balls and he did it in, I don't know, whatever it was, 160 less, right? And and so you hear all that, you think, what an exciting innings and everything else. But it's a fascinating innings because he did start slow, then he went after. He specifically went after Anderson. Mm. And I think I might have said this in the scoreboard yesterday. I felt very much like KP going after McGrath. Mm. Um, you know, it felt like, I, well, I don't need to be afraid of you. I'm, I can understand why everyone else is afraid of you, but I'm really good and you're old. <laughs> and so... You know, and he made two, there were two overs where I noticed where he just went, no, no, you're, you're going this over, right? And, and Anderson bowled really well to try and stop him and it didn't work, um, certainly in that first over. And so, you know, he did that. I love the way he plays off spin. It's so perfect. Uh, uh, like, I, I think other left-handers should copy his, his method to off spin, you know, his ability to sort of attack on line and length. So... If it's wide of off stump, he's like, well, okay, you've now made a mistake. I'm going to free my arms and try and punch this through the offside. I might get an edge, but I reckon I'll hit enough boundaries that I won't do it. And on length, the minute you over pitch, uh, I'm going to take that down as well. That's kind of how left-handed should always play off spin, but he's really perfected that model. Um, but if you think about this innings, as I said, started slow, started whacking it, got a sore back. Hmm. I think Rohit sent the physio out there to take him off the field. He said, no, I'm going to bat on. Eventually couldn't physically bat on. Mm -hmm. Then the next morning he has to wait for, you know, the night watcher. Um, so he's, he doesn't get to go out and start straight away, which for an opening batter, it's not the end of the world, but there are some opening batters that don't handle that well because they're so used to being out there mm. from the first ball. That doesn't even make sense for them to watch. And then, of course, you know, he gets back in, starts back up again and attacks. Uh, I, I just, I thought it was a magnificent innings. Uh, you know, England were a little bit broken in that second innings at times, mm. but he was also part of the reason that they were broken, right? He, he, he absorbed their pressure um, and then he went, he went to town against them. And, uh, you know, the, he's so impressive almost every time you see him play. Thanks to the kind folks at FlexiSpot for looking after my office and my butt by sending me their E7 Pro Desk that save your favorite desk heights at a touch of a button. You don't have to crank anything. This thing just finds the height that you like and you can work. And their BS12 Pro Chair that supports my posterior while I'm recording, well, this ad and all my shows. If you need great desks, especially ones that change heights or the best quality chairs, head on over to FlexiSpot. And uh, for those of you who want to know his story, we did a footmarks on it. So, 1 in 10 million, go check that out. And rest assured, if Yashasvi Jaiswal gets to 100, 
you can almost guarantee that he'll get a big one. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wasn't even the only centurion for India, apart from, like, of course, we talked about Jadeja earlier, but Rohit Sharma hit 100. Shubman Gill fell nine runs short in the second innings. Funny that people wanted to get rid of him not too long ago. And now India's top three is in the kind of form which is looking like a really ominous sign for Ben Stokes and his Baz ballers going into the final two tests, even though Stokes is saying, like, we'll win this 3-2. But of course, Stokes is saying that, right? That's expected. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really worked out a me- method for Joe Swell yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so they can't. And I, I mean, he he must kept them in, was it the first test on his own or the second test on his own? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't, Whichever one was where he scored the, the majority of the runs. But yeah, second wasn't it, right? So he kept, he's already done that. This test match, you know, hugely impactful again. I think they worked out a method to Gill and Gill to his credit. And, and this is why you don't drop players just because they're not making runs. Gill to his credit has just worked on that and, 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 you know, he's trying to keep it out. He's still not looking as solid as we know he can be. Hmm. Um, Rohit hasn't really had a massive impact on this series. Uh, yeah. You know, a really important hundred in this test match, but not a massive, imp- him and Ashwin haven't had massive impacts in, in this series at all. Um, and, uh, you know, but the, so so they're in a um, this situation of we, Gill has changed and Jaiswell hasn't. If if they can't work out one of these guys um, and probably two of these guys in the next two tests, I don't know if they can win. Especially with you know, especially if it's Jaiswell, just because he's probably going to make a hundred and he's probably <laughs> going to make a big hundred again. Um, and so it's very hard for them to overcome that. But yeah, they're they're behind. They're, you know, uh, they're behind two one. But it's more than just being behind two one at the moment because I think you look at. Jadeja, mm. Ashwin. Uh, so Ashwin looked really good when he came back and bowled. And so Gareth, we were commentating with Gareth Batty and Gareth Batty had been saying to me, he's not right. Mm. His ball's not coming out right. A bit what I was saying before, he was saying that, that he could see Ashwin pushing the ball down, right? That he wasn't getting the snap on the ball. Um, and you watch him in that second innings and you're just like, oh, the snap's back. Um, and that is very, very dangerous for everyone else. Cool deeps bowling mm. brilliantly, and Siraj has just had a big spell. Like, there's a lot of Indian players that suddenly have confidence, uh, and it's not, you know, I mean, Patadar hasn't made any runs, mm. right? Safra is in his first game. They're going to learn a lot more about how to bowl to him. They've only bowled to Drew Jarrell once. You know, you know, who knows if K.O. Raul is going to come back mm. in, all these different things. But as it currently stands, it, England have a lot of problems they need to solve for the next test. Whereas I don't think, whereas after the first and second test, I thought it was India who had all the problems they needed to solve. Mm. So it's completely switched. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like you mentioned, the bowlers, uh, you know, uh, bowling with their peak powers. We didn't even mention Bumrah, of course, he's doing so well. And then also the batting. He's good. Yeah, clearly. And the batting is, you know, coming to the fore now. The top order is hitting runs. And, And you mentioned Sarfraz now. I love those scenes in which Sarfraz got his test cap and then he, you know, had that moment or shared that moment with his dad. And he's someone who had Was been... it his dad who kissed the cap? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. I, I mean, I've never seen that. It's awesome. Hmm. I mean, because I, I remember when Ed Cowan got his debut and I know Ed quite well, you know, and, and, and his wife, but I didn't know his father very well. Um, hmm. I, I'd never met his father before. But I remember Ed telling me stuff about like... He, so Ed's father basically threw his shoulder out by doing throwdowns when Ed was young. And we don't hear that story enough, right? Uh, uh, you know, of the supportive, pa- we know that people, a lot of these players have supportive parents mm. um, and, and they do stuff like this, but you don't, you always hear about the stuff of he drove me here or she drove me here or whatever. But 
when you see it live, mm. like that Safra's moment for me was like seeing so many parents when they find out the news. And, you know, you, you, we made fun of it a little bit, the Nathan Lyon one. So Nathan Lyon, um, when, when he called up his father and said, you know, I've made my test debut and his father went, well, at least you'll play one game. But it, the, the follow on to that story in, uh, uh, that, um, that I've heard since we made that video, which is his father got straight off the phone afterwards because he couldn't speak, mm. right? Because it's a family yeah. thing. Right, that every you know, if you have an elite athlete, I mean, Joyce Well is a separate case, but in general, if you have an elite athlete, it's probably the entire family who have made sacrifices yeah. or tried to help or put you in an environment. And with Safra's come, we got to see yeah. it right up in, 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 and it was beautiful. yeah. And he even mentioned that he's even happier for his dad opposed to himself. And you know, tears were shed. It was really priceless if you think of it. And then he repaid the faith. This is a guy who had been waiting for his debut test debut for a while right people have been talking about yeah. him yeah. he'd been scoring runs on runs on runs in domestic and you know he was overrated then he was yeah. underrated i mean he had he, everything he demolished right? the england lines as well his strike rate was also something that was uh, coming under the scanner and everyone was saying this guy could really be the answer to india's middle order woes in test cricket and he went on to score 62 in the first innings and an unbeaten 68 in the second unsurprisingly ends with an average of 130 after his first test i almost expect that from sarfaraz and then that ramp stop that happened <laughs> did you oh. do you remember that <laughs> it's one i mean the the uh, i've seen this before because I, I remember talking to a player who played that shot and i was like why can't you abort it <laughs> and, and and the player said it's it's really hard because you've already because you're changing your physicality you're already shortening the amount of time that you can react to the ball. And so like that's why you'll see sometimes even if you someone's bowled a short ball, they still try and flap at it. It's because there's kind of no other option. So the ability to turn around and make a decision of, no, I'm not in the right spot. Um, you know, it's probably the next evolution of that shot in general. Um, and he's not the first person I've ever seen to do it, but to middle the ball off the side of your bat in that position is quite special. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, makes for a great uh, little video clip that I did catch on Twitter. And I, I have expectations from Sarfraz. I'm really chuffed for him. Uh, nothing much to write home about for England, obviously. Duckett's 153, swashbuckling, you could say. Um, was playing at a very high strike rate. Is that the best we've seen him bat ever? Oh, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I mean, I was at his 100 at Lords. Mm. But, I mean, that was against, you know, a struggling island attack. It's probably the longest it, the longest he's batted that well before. Um, you know, I, I know he's made a, quite a few double hundreds in first class cricket, but in test cricket, we've kind of more seen him as a 40 to 70 scorer, um, an impact scorer. Um, so his ability to go longer there, I, I love the way he's batting. I actually think that Asian conditions, he should be a, an absolute whiz in because the seam bowlers can't bother him in the same way. And he can upset even very, very good um, um, spin bowls, yeah. right? So I, it should be, he should be a player who averages much higher in, in Asia than he does everywhere else. I just love the way he strikes the mm. ball. And I would say of all the England players, he probably has the most the easiest to get to weakness. You bang the ball in, short of a length, outside of stump, he just has this big angle bat, he doesn't leave the ball, and and he plays like someone, he plays like someone, I had a friend of mine who, when she was about 25, 30, um, broke her neck skiing, right? And obviously, she thought she was going to oh, die. Okay. And they managed to save her life. And she is the most cheerful, happy person I've ever met, right? Because she feels like she's on... Uh, you know, she, um, you know, she's living her life that she wasn't supposed to live, right? 
And even when things go wrong, she's like, ah, well, you know, you want Ben Duckett kind of bats in a kind of way of, I shouldn't, I'm lucky to have got my second chance and I know it could go wrong at any moment here. So I'm just going to be Ben Duckett and, and we'll see how we go. And, you know, if, if we're, I was having a chat with a bunch of people yesterday about the sort of players who will make great, you know, Draymond Green, JJ Redick, um, you know, uh, type podcasters, mm. um, you know, Pat McAfee from cricket. And a lot of people were like, Ben Duckett might actually be the guy because he gives no shits and he just says what he says and he plays his cricket the exact same way. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the short ball thing because we saw that over and over and over again in the Ashes series. Anyway, before we end mm. this segment, we've got two more Super Chats. You guys are uh, oh, really sorry. giving us lots of money today, so we obviously will oblige. Um, Amit Singh, oh, first up. Gotcha. Yeah, yep. He says, can Yashasvi Jaiswal break Dawn's uh, record of se- 974 runs in a five-test match series? Yes, he can. <laughs> what, what has he got at the moment? It's got about 500? Close to 600, no? There are two doubles in there. So, Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Um, can he break that record? Uh, no. Because I think one of these test matches might be slightly lower scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's particularly due, due to him. Um, but I think at least one of these last two test matches will be... The, I think the... the it, whether whether the next wicket spins or the last wicket seems, I think we might see just a natural progression. Whereas the th- first three test matches, to be fair, been pretty good for mm. batting. Not not flat batting pitches, but pretty good for batting. But I'm just going on the weight of averages. At a certain point, we're probably going to have a, a cup, at least one wicket that isn't like that. So I'm going to say no. But I mean, he's certainly within. Uh, uh, what do you say he was? He's, he's around 600. So yeah. He's certainly within chance. Yeah, I would say that if he gets a triple in one of these games, it's very much likely. <laughs> Pango says, whether it is baseball or not, the fact of the matter is England never managed to play more than 130 overs during this phase and survived 100 overs only once in this series. Also, bowling has no role. That's not a question. I guess you just want it to be heard. <laughs> uh, uh, England never managed to play more than, than 130 overs. They're not trying to mm. do that. And, and I went back to it before. I do think that is an overall weakness mm. of it. Um, uh, you know, they are trying to score 550 in 100 overs, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of their ideal baseball innings. Um, they they knew coming into this game they, that batting more than 100 overs for them was going to be rare. And, you know, remember, they also came into the series thinking the wickets were going to rag around a little bit more. But they, they came in thinking, how can we win without batting more than 100 overs? Which, again... Pango, it tells you that they're thinking about this very differently to everyone else. And you say bowling has no role. They picked a kid or two kids who had no first class experience, really, who no one thought was in the best five spinners in England. Um, and one of them took a seven wicket haul in the first match. They have manufactured wickets really cleverly at times in, in the first two test matches. I think India have started to get a bit smarter against their ways. And I also think. I think it was in this match where they eventually just went to bounces again. That I think that's one big issue for them, that their plan is kind of, a lot of their manufacturing of wickets is bowling bounces, and that doesn't work as well in Asia. Um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not impossible, but, you know, it's not where it's, it's going to work consistently anyway. Um, so, and if you look at it, first test, the second test, they're really, really good at just getting Indian players to make mistakes. And a lot of that, we, we then go, oh, Indians have made all these mistakes. But I've been watching basketball since the start. It's weird how so many teams make mistakes against them. Mm-hmm. They're very good at putting you in a situation where you will make an error, right? Where you have to take a tiny risk over and over again. But you're like, oh, it's such a tiny risk. It won't come back. To- oh, I'm out. 
Um, so, no, I, I, I mean, it's funny now they're 2-1 down and everyone's like, oh, England are terrible. It's like, well, okay. When they were 1-0 up, everyone was like, they were mm. great. They were, they were the, they're the same team in both, in both iterations. The difference is India are, are playing slightly smarter cricket now. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, there is a higher variance in the way that England play. Coming into this series, I said that they had a higher ceiling than Australia did coming into the series in India. They also had a lower floor. Sure. Right, they could have lost this series five nil. They were bloody close, and you know they were in the game in the first two tests. And as Bayram said at the start, what were they um, thirty three for yeah. three when? And then Joe Root dropped that mm. catch. Pango, would you be saying this if they managed to bowl India out for one hundred and fifty in the first innings? Right, we've got to remember that there there is an element in in cricket to all of those things that if root takes that catch we don't know what would have yep. happened next you know safras would have had to come in early jarell would have followed in they got an absolute armchair ride because mm. of the the work that jadeja and, and rohit did cricket that game could have been entirely different england have given themselves a chance to win all three test matches and i promise you if they come here and played any other way they would not have had that chance they're just not good enough um if they had played normally and they would have picked I know Liam Dawson and you know um, Moriarty and all those, and that's not saying those aren't talented players. I'm saying they went in with a very clear plan, and it upset India for a little while. But I always said that you know uh, eventually it's going to come down to talent, and that's where England is a little bit behind some you know Australia and India. All right, we actually have two more super chats, so you guys really don't want want me to go to the PSL game today. That's fine. Shri says reaction to rude dismissal in talk sports should be trademarked. You have to commentate to world feed or you have a different live footage to talk over i think that's just a question on where he can listen to you commentating jared um uh, thank you for the the root dismissal um i did I, have you seen the, the video i'll send it to you later if you haven't send seen it because the thing is we know we're being streamed mm -hmm. right and you know you're being streamed 90 percent of the time it's the rare moments when something goes wrong with the technical stuff or you know or, or like um or i think there was one moment where one of baddie's friends did something well and he forgot he was on camera and then obviously the root wicket i wasn't worried about being on stream so me and bubble certainly have very uh interesting reactions very separate kinds of reactions there um uh, you have to commentate on the world feed or you have a different live footage to talk over. So I, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that, but essentially what we do is we were recording um, from India for the first two tests. I was back in the UK, of course, but the most of the team were in India. We have um, the feed directly from the ground. It's virtually no um, delay. It's like really, really live feed. We get that straight away and, and we commentate off that, but the sound effects are all uh, mashed up. So it sounds like we're commentating from the ground. And in fact, in that last test, we had like two people commentating from the ground and one person commentating from the studio all in the same ball. That's how much technology has changed. There's some incredible technology when it comes to all those sorts of things. Um, and you know, we you know, we talk sport. We've also done non-England matches before. Um, we did India, New Zealand uh, a few years ago. And I think we did another series as well. So there will be more and more cricket being commentated uh, on by TalkSport. So if you go over to the TalkSport cricket channel and anytime we're live, it probably means we're commentating. Mm. All right. Last super chat before we can take a break. Pidyut asks, Basball with Prime Anderson, Broad, fully fit. Leach could have been different. New Zealand under Baz had uh, Trent. Bolt Saudi in their prime and Kane playing like he usually does, and they became the big four thoughts. I mean, of course, you bring in their best ever players and they'll be better, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I'm not sure Broad would be magnificent in Asia. Um, I'd have to go back and have a look at his record, but I always thought that Anderson was really good in Asia and it didn't work as well for Broad. Leach not being fit. Again, this goes back to they've got other issues going on, right? And and they're they're now getting to a similar point where we see with the West Indies and you know New Zealand and Sri Lanka and these smaller teams where Liam Dawson might have been picked for this series. He might have not made himself available because he had all these contracts available to him in the SA twenty and whatever else. Is he playing in PSL as well, Dawson? Uh yeah, he has. Not right now. Yeah. He's not playing so he had, right now, but he has won the PSL as well, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, and IL20 and all those things, they're all coming at the same time. He has time. a World Cup so medal, you're gonna say to Liam Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying to Liam Dawson, um, are you, you, we want you to come and play in this series, but chances are we won't pick you ever again. And But you're going to annoy the contract that you've already written. I think that would have been a little bit awkward. If this was classical um, Bidget, what would have happened is when Leach wasn't fit, Dawson would have come in. And he's not the same bowler that Leach is, but he's similar. Um, and he's obviously a much better batter. And that would have really, really helped. Um, we we have already seen England do, you know, good things uh, with, with, you know, with, with injuries and with players missing and everything else during the baseball era. So it's not just about having your full strength team. It's very hard to go to India. And and Brook is, I think Brook is a really interesting one not yeah. to have. We don't know how Brook would have gone. He might have failed, right? But Brook probably would have at least been able to come in for best, though. They would have felt comfortable doing that. And that would have given them maybe a difference maker batting at number five, mm. right? Um, and at the moment, Besto just hasn't been able to get any runs. And, you know, it doesn't look like he's about to score any runs, if, if we're being honest. And, you know, that's an issue uh, from that. that as yeah. Well. And with that, uh, we'll close this segment off. Uh, of course, it's gone on for about 50 minutes. Someone even complained in the comments that you guys have spent 50 minutes on or 45 minutes on India and England. And those of you who are wondering whether or not why we didn't talk about uh, Ashwin's 500 scalp, because we've got entire footmarks coming on it. So we didn't touch on that topic right now. We actually were only going to talk about it for 20 25 minutes and then we got like 10 super chats um i think is part of the reason that we went on a little bit yep. if you guys want to ask different questions in the super chats we will definitely answer them yes as well. we will and keep an eye out for that footmarks on ravi ashwin that's coming up we'll take a short break on overthrows you with behram and jared and stay tuned after the short break we'll be back all right welcome back ladies and gentlemen to episode four of overthrows you with behram and jared and let's talk about new zealand versus south africa so the kiwis chased down 267 with ease in the second test match at Seddon Park versus a depleted South Africa, they won the series 2-0. And Kane Williamson has now scored uh, seven tons in seven test matches. He has equaled Yunus Khan's record of uh, five four inning or fourth innings test hundreds. And in the last 12 times or 12 occasions where Kane has crossed 50, Jared, he has gone on to three figures in 11 of those. And that is quite a special conversion rate. Look, I remember talking to some people close to him when his elbow injury happened and they were like, he may never come back mm. the same. It's And it kind of looked like that might be the case for a little while. It's just magnificent that that isn't the, hasn't happened. And, you know, he has worked out what he needs to do. And I don't know if the elbow just feels better or whether he's just slightly changed. Do you know the story about Len Hutton having a, his left arm was too, like an inch or two inches shorter than his right arm? I did arm? not know that. No. So Len Hutton made it as a test cricketer and had had a normal length, uh, you know, matching arms, I assume, or roughly <laughs> matching arms as much as anyone's are. Um, and then I, I think it was a car accident. I should remember what happened. But something happened to him. He ends up with um, a problem with his arm, so it's two inches shorter, and he comes back and um, 
still absolutely dominates. Uh, so it's happened before, but sometimes it doesn't, right? Sometimes you just can't get that feeling back in your hand or, you know, the, the bat never feels right again uh, when you pick it up. And um, I remember I, there was a player, oh, God, I forget who it was, who had a knee injury in the 90s, and they were telling me that their bat path never felt the same after. Mm. They did everything. They changed their bat path. They changed their handle. They changed all these different things, but they just couldn't get it to flow through, and eventually they just had to uh, give up the game. So... For Williamson to go from that to where he is at the moment, I mean, this isn't a great attack. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out to Dane Pete um, mm -hmm. for doing great work in the first innings. But this is, you know, no one's saying this is a brilliant attack, and there's always going to be the and, until Williamson starts to dominate. You know, certainly Australia and Indian attacks. There's always going to be a question mark over him because he does make so many runs against the the lower attacks. At I times. mean, that's fair, but um, then again, he had what three hundreds and four innings in this series. So whatever attack you score that against, that's still a lot of runs. And oh, someone no, no. just mentioned that uh, this was overall the for yeah, him. this was the highest yeah. ever chase at Seddon Park. So it's not you know easy batting fourth over there, and he scored. No, I, I mean to be honest, when Bettingham, I can't remember what I think when they were what. 200 for three, I want to say. Well, 200-ish for three. And Bettingham was batting. South Africa were favorites, yeah. right? Like, and should quite rightly have been favorites and probably should have made them chase 300, mm -hmm. 350. Um, so I, I think from a, if you're talking from a team perspective, I think New Zealand did great. And But again, it goes to, you know, them losing to Bangladesh. Was there a test match against Sri Lanka? Mm -hmm. um, like, they've played a lot of cricket at home where after being untouchable at home, they suddenly look very touchable at home, Barry. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, but still valuable World Test Championship points earned, uh, even if it was yeah. depleted South Africa. And also, unfortunately, Kyle Jamieson was injured again. I think we jinxed him last time we spoke about him on the show. But his replacement, right-arm pacer William O'Rourke, he is, what, 21, 22, no more than that. He took nine wickets on Test debut and uh, four in the first innings, five in the second. Bagged up player of the match as well. I looked up his record and he has... Now, after this game, 59 wickets in 16 first-class games at 25. And you just feel like New Zealand have unearthed yet another seamer in Test cricket. I think that was the big issue as we started to see, you know, we know that Bolt's easing off and Southie's probably on his last few years and Wagner's been struggling. Uh, Jameson, this is probably never going to play, you know, it, he'll play, but he might never play consistent Test matches mm. uh, just because... He's always been injured since he, you know, uh, for for a long time now, um, and and we, I think, you know, Milne and Ferguson and you know and Henry also quite injury prone, mm. and it was whether they were going to come up with another younger bowler who could come through um, was the big question. Mm. You know, when they played England, they had Kugeline and Tickner, yeah. and those are those are no, you know. I was going to say, no offense to those guys, but Kugeline, who gives a fuck if we offend mm -hmm. him? But, um, uh, you know, no offense to play Tickner, but I can see how he can occasionally be handy in international cricket, but he's not a frontline regular bowler. Finding someone like, uh, um, it's O'Rourke, yeah. is it? It's not Rourke. I want to say William Rourke, but it is O'Rourke. And uh, he's also quick, yeah. right? Very beautiful action. Enjoyed his bowling action. Yeah. So, so you watch him and you're just like, that, that's what they mm. needed. And, you know, we do a similar thing with the West Indies. Remember the West Indies had Kimar, Shannon Gabriel, you know, and, and those older bowlers. And you just like, and then you see, you know, Seals come through. And now you see um, uh, Shamar, Joseph come through. And, you, and you're like, oh, great. Right? Like, th that's what they need. Because quite often you get like a golden generation. And that's what New Zealand had. They had the best fast bowling stocks available. In the, the best four-man bowling 
uh, fast bowling lineup in the mm. world for for a while, right? You know, and it was always going to end. You need to be able to stock that up with younger bowlers. Um, and, and we still, we I think we all know how good Matt Henry is. There were times in that first test where it looked like it, it was impossible to play Matt Henry. We just know he needs to get on the field more. Um, but that hasn't been the case. And a lot of their bowlers have been very, very injury prone. So getting another younger bowler coming through, I think is really important for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, definitely good signs for them going forward. And uh, coming to South Africa, you obviously mentioned uh, Dane Pete. Such an interesting career, very stop start. You know, he's still what played less than 10 test matches, I believe. And in New Zealand, you know, conditions where you don't really expect spinners to do particularly well. He took five wickets in the first innings, kind of put South Africa on a on track for an unlikely victory. And then even in the second innings, when New Zealand kind of just chased it down with seven wickets in hand, he took the three wickets. So that's eight wickets for the spinner. Yeah. And I, I found that truly remarkable. Look, great effort by by Dane. Um, I did some commentary with him on minor league cricket. I think I've got my minor league cricket shirt oh. on. Oh God, I can never work <laughs> out which is left or right here. Um, uh, I, he's just a lovely person, really professional. And remember... That's what he's been playing, mm. though. Minor league cricket was the last cricket that he's been playing. So he's some minor league cricket is very good. And sometimes you play against a person who owns a team and they want to play themselves. <laughs> and, you know, you, you play in some of those tournaments in America. And again, I might fly in Nicholas Puran or Rakim Cornwall, um, but you might also be playing, you know, Barham's cousin. <laughs> like the, the quality, you know, the variance of, of these leagues is huge. To come out and take eight wickets in a test match, I, I think is special. And look, I'm... I liked him years ago and uh, having met, you know, met him and chatted to him, you know, really interesting guy as well. I'm just glad that, because I don't know what this does to his American mm. contract and, and all that sort of stuff, right? He, I think he knew he was good enough and I don't think South Africa thought he was good enough. He's come over, he's gone to New Zealand, he's taken eight wickets in he because he didn't play in the first yeah, test, Yeah, I don't did think he? so. Yeah. Taking eight wickets in the one test they gave him a chance for proved to himself and to everyone else that there was a lot more in the tank than um, they thought about. And I think, I think it's fair to say, I would, I don't say he feels bitter, but I do think there's a, there's a part of him. I remember talking to a lot of the modern South African spinners and they were like, it was really tough when we, tough when we started our careers, but South Africa's really treating spinners a lot better and everything else. And I threw that question to Dane Pete and he was the only one who was like, no, they still hate spinners. <laughs> So I think he has an issue there um, that, you know, and it's wonderful that he got a chance to go to a random place like New mm. Zealand and just, you know, take wickets. So good on him. Um, you know, and, and they needed, <laughs> I feel sorry for all those players. Don't get me wrong. They're getting test caps. and They'll be able to mm -hmm. tell people they play test cricket forever. But, you know, their coach basically said, guys, you're not that good. Yeah. And they're not that good, right? And they know they're not that good. And they know why they're playing and you know we had it with world series cricket in australia and we've had it with strikes and west indian players we've seen this before but they are still professionals yeah. and they still do know what they're doing and i think dane pete and some of the, you know some of the other performances we saw betting him aside because yeah. obviously betting him is a star hmm. um we, no one's got any issues with him but but with some of those other players i think they had a point to prove they pushed new zealand hmm. You can't, you know, they put themselves, as I said, they were very close to getting themselves in a situation where they would not lose that game. And unfortunately, they just gave New Zealand enough of a chance um, that it didn't work for them. Yeah, end of end of day three or whatever it was, you felt like they were in with a shout and, and 
big up to both Dane Pete and uh, David Belling- Belling- Bellingham. Not Bellingham. Bellingham is a footballer. Uh, who also... Did I say Bellingham? No, I, I, I said Bellingham. Bellingham. Uh, almost said Bellingham okay. and then I corrected myself to say Bellingham. Um, but anyway, he really has solidified his spot, right? Uh, started off well, now has his maiden test done. And what interests me in his story is that this is a guy who left South Africa, kind of gave up on his South African dream to Durham and started playing cricket there. And here he is having his moment under the sun. And he is a show shot starter for South Africa in test cricket for at least like 10 tests in the future, right? He's earned that. Yeah. I I mean, I thought the way he batted against India probably earned him, you know, a lot of respect as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of talent from him. Um, Yeah, you're right. Didn't see himself at the front of the queue. Um, disappeared, went off to play uh, county cricket. and But he's come back as a probably a better bat than he was when he was just in South Africa mm. as well. And, you know, we saw again the class of him. Um, I don't know what percentage of the runs that he scored in that, in that second innings, but it felt like he scored all of them. Yeah. Also, like he averages 49.5 odd in first class cricket and also in test cricket now. So those are really solid numbers. This mm. is someone that South Africa should stick with because if you look at their batters in the recent past, they struggled to get to that 40 mark. So here's a guy who's touching 50. So there's something there. Anyway, let's move on to Sri Lanka versus Afghanistan. Now, the last time we spoke on overthrows, Sri Lanka were 2-0 up versus Afghanistan in the Odeh series. And a week later, they have successfully whitewashed Afghanistan in that series, won at 3-0. But, you know, it's the manner in which they won that last game, which kind of is, is special. Of course, Afghanistan kind of got to 266. Uh, the usual performers, Rehmat, Shah and Azmat Alomarzai, they got 50s. And you thought that, okay, 266, let's see where they go. Th- this goes. Sri Lanka chasing it down in 36 overs is not what we saw coming, right? And again, we spoke about Patham Nisanka now, last time when he scored a double hundred. He again scored a quick fire ton. And Avishka Fernando scored a 66 ball 91. So there has been this clear shift in Sri Lanka's approach to ODIs. And that is very refreshing. Yeah, I mean, we know. I think we noticed that most with Kusal Mendes in mm. the World Cup. Remember when he went absolutely ballistic? And we were like, wait, wait, what's happening yeah. here? When, when did he do this? And Nasanka is another one. Um, uh, who's the coach? It's Silverwood, isn't it? Is their yes. coach? Is he still there? I coach? think so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, it, interesting. I, I, I remember when Bayless took over England, and he sort of said to the guys, like, "Why not just play your best shots and?" be free and we won't drop you because we think you're the best you know amount of players and stop worrying about technique and everything else and go out there and put pressure back on the bowlers and you know, it's a very extreme way of thinking about cricket and you know we've seen McCullum with a slightly different version of, of a similar kind of thing we know those guys are talented yeah. I mean Kusal Mendes let's be honest was supposed to take over from Mahela and Kuma, yeah right um you know, Nasanka has made a lot of runs already, mm. as I think we talked about last Upped week. Up his strike rate as well, which is good for him. Well, that's mm. what I mean. So we know they're talented. Now give them freedom. Mm. And I think if you watched Sri Lanka bat, probably 2019 World Cup, my memory of them was they were a team who was actually very attacking in the first 10 overs. And then they kind of didn't know what to do mm. after that. So I do think it's kind of within them still, that, that freedom. And, you know, I think Sri Lankan batting is probably less structured than if, if you look at the other two major or even three major Asian mm-hmm. nations, you know, you know, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan, sorry, um, Bangladesh, you know, kind of dour batting, mm-hmm. um, India, very technically correct. You know, um, there's, there's an inbuilt conservative nature built into Pakistan mm-hmm. batting at times and everything else. 
But if you go through the history of Sri Lanka, it's not quite been the way. Not like, you know, weird methods and freedom and and willing to bat in their own way, even in the face of criticism and, and, and disbelief yeah. at times from other, other if things. If you think about it, they're and, trailblazers kind of in that regard. If you look yeah. at the 90s team. They're, they're, yeah, exactly. And then it but but you know it's always been there. And 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 it's, you see it in test cricket as well. It's not just something from one day cricket, although that's obviously where they got the mo most fame. So I can kind of, I think you, if you have the talented players mm. and they're not making runs, and there were so many of these guys between the age of 22 and 28 that weren't doing very well. And, and what happens is, you know, we've talked about this before, that Sri Lanka picked this young player. They're obviously really talented. For six years, they're sort of in and out mm. the side. They never really do anything. Then they get really, really good when it's almost too late. Um, and they don't get the most out of them. If you can foster an environment, uh, kind of in, what we're talking about with baseball, mm. but even before baseball, and the, which is what base, baseball is based on, right? The white ball yeah. team. Foster an environment where you say, you're the best eight batters in the country, mm. right? We want you to feel like you're not going to get dropped. Go out and play the way that you played when you were a kid. Go out and play the way that feels best for you. If we need to make slight tweaks, we'll make slight tweaks, right? It makes a lot more sense. So I, I, who knows what, what's going on behind the scenes over there, but it does feel like there's something different happening. Yeah, definitely Some feels like something is brewing and uh, all of their batters performed in that ODI series. Uh, so that's good news. And and that opening pair is something they could really, really like kind of build towards the next World Cup because I think not playing the Champions Trophy kind of play, takes the pressure off of them. So they have time to build a solid unit. Uh, they also won the first T20 out of three uh, in Dambula. And uh, finally, the day has arrived, Jared, that Wanindu Hasaranga came good with the bat. Uh, he came in at uh, 4 for 55, so Sri Lanka were in a spot of bother. And from there on, he scored 67 of 32 deliveries. He is their captain as well. And uh, yeah, uh, we kind of did see that coming. But you know what? There's a long history in, in cricket. I've only ever looked this up in test cricket, but I think it's the same in limited overs, if I remember correctly, of all-rounders who captain only becoming good at batting when they captain. Mm. You know, so Imran, Heathstreak, and there's this like bunches of them when you go through. Uh, Vittori maybe was another yeah. one. There's all these different guys. And it's just because you, you got to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've just got to focus a little bit more on it. Whereas before, you know, suddenly the runs matter. And I'm not saying that that is definitely the case here because I do think that he'd underperformed with mm. the bat so far. But look, it's fantastic that we've seen the kind of player that I think we, we, well, he's this kind of player that I thought I saw when he first came through, which is he could take wickets, he's very hard to handle, and he can smash you out mm. the park. It's an incredible, it's an incredibly excite, exciting package, right? Like who who wouldn't want to talk, you know, who wouldn't want a cricketer like that? I remember, I reckon it was Tawatia mm. when I was working for RCB and they were they were telling me that there was a guy out there who could bowl leg spin and also whack it. And I was looking at his numbers and I was like... I don't know. I'm not quite as sold. And they were like, no. Nah. And he went, I think that auction, he went for an absolute fortune. That's the cricketer ever wants, right? They, they want the guy who can hit sixes and spin the ball both ways. Um, that's like the ideal white ball cricketer. Yeah. He is the, one of the hottest, hottest commodities in T20 cricket going around. And if he can bat that way, he might become the hottest T20 cricket commodity. Uh, anyway, uh, it was a tight game. Afghanistan could have chased this down. Sri Lanka got 160. Ibrahim Zadran also scored a 67. Was unbeaten though, 55 deliveries. So he kind of still is an anchor in the format. He's going to have to figure out what to do over there. The star for Sri Lanka with the ball was uh, the slinger, 
Matisha Patirana, still only 21 years of yeah. age. Seems like he's been around forever because, of course, he's a Chennai Super Kings player. And uh, return figures of 4 for 24 in just his second T20 international. And I just find it... He, he did well in the in the SA20 as well, didn't he? Yeah, I think he? so. And it's, uh, that's what I find yeah. strange, right? Really, really strange that how has this kid only played two T20 internationals thus far? Because clearly, you know, he is special. I, I think you're right. I think that he's not a bowler that naturally fits into all situations. So uh, in, in franchise leagues, you have the ability to kind of mold your team around freakish talents. So if you have Samuel Badri in your team, you just don't pick two fast bowlers who need the new ball, right? Like, you know, you, you, you could do that. Whereas if, if Samuel Badri is playing for the West Indies and the West Indies have their three best seamers are all new ball dependent, they've got an issue. You know, it's, I, I always go back to the Scotland cricket with the two left arm finger spinners. Like you can just be unlucky in international cricket that your players are like that. And and when you have a player like Patarana who is unique yeah. and probably needs to bowl overs at different times to a normal bowler, that doesn't always suit your team. Mm. And and maybe that's part of it. But I do think they've been a little bit too cautious <laughs> with it. Um especially considering when was the World Cup like? He was part of that team, but he was a late entrant, wasn't he? No, no, no. The T20 oh, World Cup. Um, 2022. Like how long yeah, ago? Uh, a year and a half. Yeah. It's a long time for him only to have played. Like, surely you just throw him in for a couple of... I came every now and yeah. again. No, Don't put any pressure on him. Just say, look, you're not a full-time member of the game, a team yet. We know you still work your stuff. I know they've been developing him so he bowls better with a new ball and, and in the middle overs. Um, even some of the franchises have been working on that with him. Um but you just throw him in for a game every now and again. And it does seem weird that he's played so little. But look, he's he's clearly, if he can continue on the on the rate he's going, he's going to be a very, very good T20 bowler. And we will see more people with the sort of Malinga-style actions, I think. Um, I, I wonder, looking back, if Jeff Thompson played T20 cricket in the free, in the free um, market era, whether we would have had a bunch of people who would have come in and bowled like Jeff Thompson mm. afterwards or whether just in those days, it just wasn't possible. But you can see with Malinga why it makes sense to copy those kinds of actions. Yeah, and we've seen so many, right? Malinga-esque actions ever since Malinga. Uh, there's a Man Khan for Pakistan who also has a slingy kind of action. But Patirana is the real sling, right? He's not just messing around over here. That's proper <laughs> slingy. And and yeah. maybe this can kickstart his career uh, for Sri Lanka because 4 for 24 in a game that Sri Lanka could have lost against Afghanistan without Rashid, I think that definitely counts for something. Anyway, final topic of uh, overthrows. Uh, Australia's women, the Southern Stars, have defeated South Africa by an innings and 284 runs in Perth in the solitary test match that they were set to play. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was as commanding as ever. But that performance by Annabelle Sutherland, she was the star of the show, right? Scoring 210 runs in an innings, that's amazing on its own. Put that on one side and then add the fact that she also got five wickets across two innings. That is as complete a performance as you could ever ask for in women's tests. Or any tests. It, <laughs> this was a really interesting game. I don't know how much you were following it. But early on, obviously, South Africa got rolled for 76. Hmm. Do you remember what Australia were? Uh, no, I didn't follow it too, too closely. They were 12 for three. Oh. And I was thinking... What the hell is going on here? This is going to be incredible. And they've gone from 12 to 3 to 575. 
And, you know, the, uh, I think Beth Mooney made some runs, but the majority of the runs obviously come from Alyssa Healy and Annabelle Sutherland. Uh, there's that great tweet by, was, I think it was by Hypercost, wasn't it, that uh, Alyssa Healy and Mitchell Stark, uh, they 14 players with a high score of 99 in Test Match Cricket across men's and women's game, and two of them are married to each also, other. Also, um, just on that, that gets wilder, that stat. So that's their highest highest score, Alyssa Healy and Mitch Stark, 99. We know that, and they're two of 14, and they're married. But also, both of them got mm. 99 in their ninth Test Match. It's getting creepy, because 9, 99, 99, weird. Yeah, it's like a freaking Beatles song <laughs> at this point. Um, so, yeah, so Alyssa Healy and then Al- Annabelle Sutherland, yeah. as you said, and Ashley Gardner, I think, yeah. made some runs. I think Kim Garth might have made runs uh, as well. Not sure, that, but Ash Gardner made 65. Beth Mooney has scored consistent runs throughout this entire series, like T20s, ODIs, so she got another 78. So we expected that from her. But, you know, even though those performances are great, 210, like a double hundred for a woman in test matches on its own is really, really huge. Oh, no, no, it's it's incredible, isn't it? And uh, do you know what? It's huge if you do it in the top order. But was she batting six or seven? I think six. I think she was down the order. Yeah. Um, look, I think she's a real... It, it's, it's funny, actually. You know, I saw the father play, mm. obviously, who was the CEO of Cricket Australia for a long time. And I... He, in another era, I think he would have played a lot more first-class cricket, but it just happened to be that he went up against you know, Merv Hughes and Paul Rifle and Damian Fleming and, you know, all those really, really talented seam bowlers, um, Tony Dottomade, that were just better than him. You know, guys like Colin Miller and David Saker had to leave states, right? And and, and James Sutherland never, never had a go. But, it, you know, it, it, it might be one day that his work as CEO of Cricket Australia is outshadowed by his work of his own project, yeah. right? Because they, him and, uh, sorry, her and uh, Will Sutherland mm-hmm. might go on to be the stars of this next decade for, you know, Will Sutherland is kind of a, like a, I don't know, modern day Tom Moody type mm-hmm. player. And who knows? I, I remember, I, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw Annabelle play, she would have been quite young. I remember her bowling a lot more than her batting, but I always thought she could bat a little bit. But, I think the games I saw, she was batting down the order, like maybe eight, nine, like she's batting six in the test side and making a double hundred. That's, that's remarkable. And it's almost like her and her brother are in this, like, like, I don't know if they're competitive with each. I would love it if there was competitiveness between them, because like you, you'll see a game or, or, or a season where like Will dominates and then, and Annabelle's like really, really good. And then the next year it's like, it's flipped Mm. around. Um, and it almost seems to be game by game now of like, well, you know, uh, oh, oh, Annabelle, well, you've been playing for Australia for a while. Well, I'm going to come in and play for Australia now. Um, it's like, oh, well, you're going to play for Australia? I'm going to make 200 uh, batting at number six in a test match after we were 12 for yeah. three. It's just, it's a it's a fascinating little pattern bet- uh, between them. Uh, very similar kind of cricketers as well, by the way. Although I think, um, I'm not sure Will's ever going to make double hundred batting at uh, number six for Australia. But uh, it's, it's great to have, you know, a brother... There's something. Do you remember when the McGlashan brother and sister played for New Zealand? That the, the uh, I think they're both yeah, keepers, they were they? both. And like I remember keepers, just thinking that was so. It was just so cool, <laughs> yeah. And the, when the and the Joyces as mm. well, you know, when you had Ed um, playing, and then you had the seventeen um, of his well, his brothers and sisters playing. <laughs> um, there's something quite cool about like having brothers and sisters playing at the same time, um, and. I, I just I think it's really really cool, and the fact that they, as I said, that they're similar kinds mm-hmm. of cricketers makes it even weirder. But uh, it's a fantastic yeah. effort. I think, you know, we we just had Med Lanning say that it's tough to bat in um, Test cricket for women just because you don't really know how to do it because you haven't had all the hours of practicing and getting ready and you know playing in first class games and everything else. Um, 
And for Australia to make that bigger score, um, and and I, I really, you know, it, it's a, a it's quite sad for the South African women who mm. obviously were having a pretty good tour up until that point. Um, but good on them for for playing. And I think um, they they saved a little bit. Um, I mean, as much as you can when you lose yeah. a game by an innings in four thousand <laughs> runs. But um, uh, they saved a little bit. I think there was a late partnership. I want to say Chloe yes. Tyron might have made some runs, and you know they started to at least. They started, at least in, in the last innings, they looked like a, a team that should be playing huh. tests, whereas uh, the first two innings, outside of those three wickets they took early on, they did not look like they should be playing tests. Let's be fair. And uh, Hypercost, as always, has given us a fantastic stat. Says Annabelle Sutherland now holds the records for highest score by a woman at both number six and number eight uh, in test cricket. So yeah, we doff our hat off to Annabelle, that's for sure. And uh, Darcy <laughs> Brown as well was pretty impressive, right? Three wickets and three tests prior to this one. Take seven in this one, including a five-wicket haul that derailed South Af Africa in the first inning. So that was quite spectacular as well. Didn't I, I thought she made runs? Did she not make runs? Did she? Wait, have I got the scorecard here? She made. Um, oh no, she didn't bat. She didn't bat. She was the one who didn't bat. Um, so yeah, they saved her all, all of her awesomeness for bowling. <laughs> um, no, no, I, th I think you know it's really interesting. The, the whole card of the Australian team. I, I, I think coaching and selecting women's Test cricket must be the hardest job because you just don't really have the information that you would like. And, you know, it's, it's so random. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we need, we need some random, uh, entrepreneur to make a women's, uh, professional league, yeah. right. In four or five day cricket. So we can, <laughs> uh, we can help out, um, everything. Anyway, Elon, if you're mm -hmm. listening, uh, we have one more super chat, so we'll take that and end overthrows Look before at, we can move on to uncovered, and then I'm going to Look, run to Gaddafi or something. So, let's see. Doc Look at Bayram, just panic. Yeah, Doctor Ayush Chauhan asks, "What about Rajat Patidar's form? Should he be given a longer run or drop for the next test if KL Rahul is uh, not fit for the next? I, I think you meant to say is fit for the next test. Did you see his two dismissals in this test? I remember his first dismissal ever, and that was quite unlucky. So his first dismissal ever." You're right, it was unlucky. I've actually forgotten about <laughs> that. His second dismissal, um, or well, not his second, his third dismissal, whatever it might have been, um, he, he got this ball that sort of stopped on the surface and he did something weird. He somehow batted it to cover. It was remarkable. Like, it was such a weird wicket, like Tom Hartley. And then in the and then the next one, he got another half-tracker and went out. Um, you, I, I would almost not at all be worried about his form. I would be worried about his general luck. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be walking under a ladder. If he sees a black cat, he should run in the other direction. I, I think he looks like an organized, really good player. Um, if if KO rolls that around, I think you 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 pick Padada. But, I, I you know, if not, um, KO can come back into the side. But I, I wouldn't hold anything that's happened against Padada, being that three of those dismissals are just things that probably throughout his whole career are not going to follow him around. Yeah. Also, if you're interested in his story, we covered that as well in that Footmarks podcast, One in Ten Million. Definitely go check that one out. And on that note, let's uh, call it a day on Uncovered, oh, sorry, Overthrows. Uncovered will be coming in up shortly. And thank you to everyone who was in the comments and for your interactions and super chats and all that money. We'll be back with another episode of Overthrows next week. And uh, that'll be all for now and uh, yeah uh, subscribe to this channel of Jared's and the other one and like share and subscribe all of that good stuff thank you for listening this podcast has an ad free version via Patreon where there are also many other extras as well including a discord channel where you can chat to me directly there is a link to the Patreon in the show notes we are an independent podcast so support us 
any way you can. Maybe give us a review, subscribe, or share on social media. All of these things help us. And when it comes to podcasts, word of mouth is always the best way of making it grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Baram Kazi and Estelle Vasudevan. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston, and each episode is produced by Ishit Kaburka at Sound Potion Studio. Mukunda Bandredi, or Muku as most people will know, is the head of our YouTube channels, and he also helps out with so many other things like the podcast recordings. And there's so many other people we could thank here, but I just want to thank all the listeners and all the people who help behind the scenes that make this podcast work. Feeling lazy about promoting your podcasts and videos? Memento FM has your back. Their seamless platform cuts and promotes all your content effortlessly. It's laziness approved. Try Memento FM today.